XR Motion Podcast with your hosts, Michael Steinberg and Andrew Ho. <laughs> Welcome to the XR Motion Podcast, where we go over everything AR, VR, 3D, motion graphics, metaverse, whatever that is, you name it, we go over it. Uh, today, we have a very special episode, um, which we'll go over that and why in a minute. But um, before we do that, we have the most amazing co-host in the world, Andrew. How's it going, bud? Uh, it's going well. I just uh, finished watching your uh, Nomad Sculpt video that you just put on, on YouTube. And uh, I'm excited to download that and kind of jump in because there's some very cool things happening in that program. So appreciate that. Thank you for that uh, Monday knowledge, Mikey. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a short one, but you know, it's just Nomad Sculpt is too good of a program not to share. It's just one of those things that has gone under the radar too long. And uh, yeah, anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, but we have a very special episode today. Today, A, number one, it is our first time being live. How cool. We're on YouTube. I didn't I, do, I did not dress for this. I didn't I mean I did not. <laughs> I'm not a natural beauty, so I you know. Yeah. No. I'm very it's very exciting. Uh we've been trying to do this for what? I feel like every episode we've recorded in the last like three or four episodes, we just kind of end up saying, Is this the one we tried on? And we mm-hmm. don't, so yeah, it's 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 exciting. You know, it's a work in progress. I think we're going to keep getting this whole process better and better and better. But you know what? Baby steps. And uh, and and today for our first guest, um, we have somebody who's actually a pro at that. Uh, it, this is Woody Devs. He is an amazing Unreal artist. We met actually, funny enough, uh, another guest back to back at Camp MoGraph. Um, we have a funny story about that, which we'll oh my get gosh. into. <laughs> How we met was, yeah, and believe it or not, you know, because I'm just walking through the woods and I'm like, who is this plastic creature that is just walking around with a perfect mustache? You know, he's it's unbelievable. He was rendered in red ship and unreal. Anyway, so, <laughs> actually, um, uh, if you will, I'm just it's all microplastics. They keep warning you about that. Don't overdo it. <laughs> No, don't ever do it or this is the end result. This is what uh, happens. Yeah, he's definitely by far one of the most, um, I want to say, like, uniquely talented in Unreal Engine users I've ever met. Because this stuff he's been doing um, with his live streams, he has users being able to incorporate, like, modifications in VR by typing into Twitch and it'll affect his gameplay it is just wild it's We're like, gonna dive it's like very into internet it. of things on steroids you know or like internet of things but but cool you know yeah, like not just not cool. just your, not, not just like i can turn my thermostat on and off it's like i can i can submit something in slack and it's gonna happen on uh unreal or you know discord and it'll happen on unreal so yeah it, it is wild well anyway guys uh we have woody devs how's it going bud Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, amazing. Amazing. Why don't we just kind of start? I would love to hear, you know, I have, I'm familiar with your work and your project and the kind of stuff you're doing. But for those of you who maybe you're just being introduced, uh, why don't you give us your, you know, elevator pitch on what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you like about what you're doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my name's Woody. I run an edutainment brand called Woody Devs. Uh, we do a good mixture of things. Um, 
I'm I, I like sort of exist in the center of a couple of different Venn diagrams. Like I sit comfortably in like the world of VTubers of like people who use digital avatars to do streaming, uh, as well as like the YouTube developer scene of like people who like make weird little games and put them online. And also like the world of people who are trying to advance the scene of like what's possible to do in Unreal Engine. So it's kind of those three things. Like I'm sort of right in the middle there. And uh, I'm just trying to like um, do some wild stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and I will not to interrupt, but I feel like wild stuff is is I actually said to myself audibly under my breath when I first saw your YouTube channel. I was like, wild stuff. I mean, this is <laughs> there. It really is. I mean, there. It is such a cool. I I love. You know, I grew up playing video games, so I kind of see there's like this this injection of like interaction and gaming and, you know, being able to kind of experience something with other people in real time, but then layering on top of it, you know, all this amazing tech that you're using within Unreal. Unreal is already such an exciting thing to be talking about right now, right now in our industry. Um, you know, how long have you been using Unreal and how long have you been modding it to kind of fit your needs in the way that, that you know, you are with the Woody Dev, Devs project? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so it goes way, way back. So when I was a little kid, um, I want to attribute it to like not having a lot of entertainment options, but like I've kind of always been like rolling my own of whatever I want to do. So like as a little kid, like, you know, like we had video games for sure. I like definitely missed some console eras for certain, but um, we didn't have a whole lot of TV channels. Uh, I don't I didn't like live in the woods or anything like that. But like I grew up in like rural America and I feel like when there was like fun to be had, like half the time I was like, I want to make this myself. And that also included video game stuff. So like when I was a little kid, I was like playing around in like some no code engines and like building little EXEs out and like running them around on flash drives and like handing them off to my friends in the library when they like blocked new grounds and mini clip and stuff oh my god remember the, the flash era yeah I was like flash gaming era was like that you know maybe peak gaming we will never know but um i i definitely would go to the library with my friends and play flash flash do you guys do you guys allow for like hot takes on your show like, sure yeah hot hot take. i think Absolutely. like I, I think most of our societal pitfalls have come from the exodus of flash from <laughs> modern platforms i think you like you can trace everything back like all the like once, terrible once stuff. you started getting the the internet uh, notifications that's like flash is going to be phased out and you need to upgrade you know like here's <laughs> here's whatever you need to be running now that was the plight that's when things started getting bad no i mean like i can trace like an entire history of like what everything that's awful about right now, I can trace it back to flat. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? A hot take. So that we have like, you know, like you have like, uh, you know, ridiculous, like far right internet, terrible people who are, you know, just ruining things. It's like, well, that comes from social media. It's like, how does social media get so big? It's like, okay, well, cause we start spending more time on our phones and stuff with apps and, and such like, if we had just stuck with Flash, if we had just like <laughs> hung out and like the perfect, like the 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 perfect content delivery system, like we would have just been contentedly still playing if, RuneScape. If Flash had been the yeah. technological peak, of yeah. I society. mean, honestly, what more do you need besides stick figure action shorts? Right? I mean, that's well. I mean, and also it's it's crazy too because I feel like Adobe Flash was you know as big as after effects at one point it was like the two went hand in hand because it was people were doing like sell stuff in in flash but yeah long gone are the days 
do you guys did you guys watch Homestar Runner? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Homestar Runner yeah. was yeah, absolutely. That, the um so strong bad those... emails all day every day. Strong bad emails I like, forever. I feel like the, maybe uh, I've seen every one. I don't know. The for those of the, your your audience who don't know, Homestar Runner was a short film flash site that ran in like the early 2000s for like a good like eight or ten years or something yeah and um it was it was fantastic it was like all original characters that didn't seem to have sort any sort of like origin or reference point to reality it was ex- extremely like um sort of postmodern, i guess in some it's ways like, it was it was for me the the same reason i'm obsessed with like the, the show adventure time is yes. the, oh, same yeah. reason, yes. the same reason the same reason i'm obs- it's it's like it's it's weird there are times that it was probably do- like i wouldn't be surprised if you know my mom at the time had saw me watching some of homestar runner she would have been like this is much too dark for someone <laughs> your age you know like like there there were like kind of these themes bundled into everything it was still you know kind of yeah like, it was kids humor in a lot of ways but going back and look again i'm like oh my gosh was i learning valuable life lessons from homestar runner <laughs> yeah so let me show you guys some some stuff here the uh um in terms of like what i can do with unreal engine stuff so like yeah yeah you know, oh my gosh are we getting a live like, demo yeah Two so camera, like I, the fact that you can just cut between cameras even I'm, yeah i mean i can do i can do a little bit more than that too so i have my computer here the uh the computer <laughs> it's like you can see i have like a i have like my this little bracket on the side that makes it 16 by 9 i've been meaning to like kind of make the model look a little bit better at one point i was like oh i need this to be 16 by 9 so then i just like hunked on this little metal brace on the side but like it's very much in that homestar vein of like you know i need my old school computer yeah with my boxing gloves on you know so i just want to say really quick for anybody who's listening to this on the podcast um woody devs right now is being completely rendered in unreal engine and looks amazing and with just a click of the button I guess he just had, and we're talking to him, and he has arm controls complete. He has complete facial controls on tracking. his avatar. Um, this is amazing. And then with the click of a button, he literally just had the camera zoom out, go 100% uh, behind him, and look at his computer screen, his virtual computer screen. It's kind of wild um oh man definitely i I feel like i shouldn't do any visual gags anymore because you're gonna have to explain all of it to people who like are catching this later the um oh no oh no the tech demo the the metaverse went too far the metaverse is crashing Uh (laughs) uh-oh i'm still live i'm still good can you guys hear me okay woody woody we're you're cutting in and out and i Uh think we're getting a um we're getting a, a network connection thing. Um, Hold on, it's your. It's apparently your internet, according to Riverside. It. it I mean, again, people listening and not watching. Woody <laughs> Devs is doing such advanced, complex, amazing, amazing real time rendering that the internet, as in its current state, cannot handle it. Yeah. The we, it's, the internet has been broken on this this episode of XR Motion. Yeah, oh, that's that is. Uh, I mean, that's. It's definitely cool, though. You know, I definitely feel it's the future. I can already see that, you know, this could be something where because it's an Unreal, it would be something where, you know, if me and you were both having avatars exactly the same way, where somebody could join in in VR and see three virtual people having a full on conversation. 
you know? Um, well, and that's, and that's, um, one thing I'm, I'm curious about with, with, I mean, the kind of tech that Woody's using, but then also just in general, the, the sort of orientation of where everything's been heading, um, like cloud computing is about to, has to be on the verge of just, I mean, it's already huge, but it has to be on the verge of absolutely exploding because yeah, to be able to, to be able to, you know, the, now I feel like the new, the new barrier to entry is just going to be, think about how hard it was to get like a 30 series NVIDIA card, you know, oh, when I they, know. when they dropped, like the barrier to entry is going to be, can, you know, do you even stable diffusion? Like I have a, you know, I have a 3080, which I, I guess technically is, you know, yeah, not the nicest card anymore, but like it's a 3080. It was a nightmare mm -hmm. to get, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a nice card. I can do a lot of amazing stuff with it, but even stable diffusion, like it will cap out. Like if I try to push t stable diffusion too much, you know, in some of the plugins that I'm running, if I'm doing it in Blender, it, you know, immediately craps out. So yeah, it's interesting to see when we get Woody back, one of the things I did want to ask him is like, you know, one, the impetus for building something like this and two, how much time did it take to get it to be so efficient in real time? Because that's gotta be. Yeah. Exhausting. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild. I mean, real time rendering. I, it's just such a new fee. I mean, and we had Will on last week and, you know, it's definitely just, I feel like it's every month just seeing more and more cool cases on where real time render engine is. It's just becoming so prevalent in our lives and yeah. it's just, you know, you know, something... think about, think about the fact that what, 10 years ago, if you wanted to do motion <laughs> tracking in a project, mm -hmm. the, I mean, pretty much you just had to have a budget of $50,000 at least of just, you know, getting someone else to come in who owned the gear to do, you know, to translate the motion capture data into something usable for whatever pro, you know, whatever your pipeline is. And so now it's crazy. Cause I mean, even if you think about what was it app, what were the Apple emojis, you know, the live track. Oh yeah. Yeah. Snapchat filters, Instagram filters. I mean, all this stuff relies on real time tracking. And it's just, especially with the advent of all this, you know, the AI and neural networks and stuff, some of the, the live motion tracking is getting you know, so, scary good. Yeah, I, it's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's such a good point. I mean, it's funny with the live tracking because it is kind of real-time rendering, right? I mean, and, and the, yeah. the reasons for it are becoming everyday usage, just like the emojis, you can real-time track your face it's funny to think just how five years ago, I mean, there was essentially no good looking real time graphics. And now, you know, where we're at is phenomenal. Now just imagine another five years, Ugh. right? I mean, it's going to be, which is, mm. and it's kind of a thing. I feel like we, most of the people that we talk to, you know, and a lot of the stuff that I listen to around just where we're at with everything the, the biggest mistake you could be making right now is just not trying, you know, I know it is not always accessible to have the time and the resources to do, you know, some self-learning and try, some people need structured learning, but like picking up a course or just staying on top of like any of these trends around sort of all the AI thing is now sort of just turning into these new tools that are just, they're new things that you need to learn. You know, mm -hmm. you might not even realize you're using AI because it's, it's just leveraging that kind of technology. But I think, you know, taking the time to kind of educate yourself on where, where things are heading right now, because yeah, I mean, in five years, it's going to be, you know, I've, I, every week now I'm just like, I have to learn unreal. I need to, <laughs> I need to learn unreal yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm... Especially because I'm just starting to see people rendering stuff out of it that I'm like, this looks as good as every other render engine. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I love to... I feel, you know, kind of like Blender where you're seeing people make their own plugins for it and their own, you know, it's like, I feel like with Cinema 4D, there's not many plugins, right? You don't feel like there's a lot of plugins with these kind of open. Unreal's a little more open, not open source, but community driven in that sense. 100% community driven. Yeah. And And people and people sharing, like, again, I don't use Unreal, so, but I've kind of watch things here and there blueprints right so it's like yeah you can share like functionality that you can like give to somebody else and they can implement themselves or (laughs) all right he's back we've got woody back (laughs) sorry about that guys all good good. it's all good you you really you broke the matrix there i loved it (laughs) yeah sorry about that um you actually just witnessed my entire startup process for like like my internet came on, like I, I don't know. I, I promise you, it's not because of the tech. My I'm like kind of constantly <laughs> dueling with my ISP. It's like oh a, yeah, no, I I uh, I get that. Um, I had to like when I wanted to use my own modem, I had to like call my ISP, have them register the modem, have them oh, yeah. whitelist. <sighs> it's like a nightmare. I get it. And and ever since I've done that, um, I have you like keep- pretty knock on wood but it's i pretty much try to reboot my router like every night just because it's the only thing that mitigates them just like throttling my internet or, yeah and you know. they'll they'll mess with you if you've got a custom modem too like i bought my own modem it's like i switched back because they were like they like they would not help me with it they were like right hey like you know it's not our equipment we don't really know what's wrong it's like you <laughs> you know you know what's wrong don't yeah, lie um, well, I'm glad that glad that you're back. Uh, we you didn't miss much. Um, we just said that your tech was so good that it broke the internet, but yeah, now we know oops. it's actually just that ISPs <laughs> are so bad that the internet is broken. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I think you were about to kind of talk us through uh, some of just what you're running right now live to accomplish what we're what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was saying, as a kid, like I always, you know, I used to program games. I uh, worked as a filmmaker for a really long time during COVID. I started messing around with some of the stuff I th- um, with Unreal Engine. That's the the long and short of it. And, um, you know, like there are a lot of really inspiring people in this space. Like I'm not the first person to do a lot of this stuff. Like I could I could name some names. Like if you're, anyone's familiar with Code Miko, like obviously like a huge inspiration oh, yeah. for, for some of the stuff I'm doing here with the, the Twitch scene. The... Um, but uh, it's been a really fun experiment, partially because like everything you're seeing is like stuff I've coded myself. Like I made my yeah. avatar, like all of the, you know, the Unreal side of things was all written in Blueprint code, which is like their their native visual scripting language. Um, I use a lot of that in the stuff that I do. Um, so it's, it's kind of like all a big moving... Uh, whirling thing um but i've just sort of like tacked on more over time and it's just been kind of like my place where i issue content from like i don't really love being on camera like i i have actually been on camera a little bit before in some of the content that i make and it's like if you look closely at it it's like oh it's like my microphone is slipping and like i didn't like brush my hair and like you know like it's like sticking out sideways and funny and stuff and it's like it's not my favorite thing but um you know, being being the virtual guy, it's like I don't know. It's like a uh, it's like kind of like piloting a mech. 
and and yeah. you're like you feel a little bit invincible you're like hey yeah you know what i mean like if i gotta step on an ewok village to get where i'm going <laughs> you yeah. know I'll, just... I'll do it no i mean no that's, i would that's never a, but... that's a re- I, yeah obviously <laughs> would not i mean who would but um no it's such a good that's such a good um perspective though because yeah i mean it's uh you obviously have such a, a like a, a wide breadth of knowledge that i think for a lot of people, I mean, you know, at least at XR Motion, our community, so many people are learning Unreal and looking for good resources and trying, and honestly, in a lot of cases, just trying to understand the power of Unreal, right? Like yeah. why, what makes Unreal different from uh, Cinema or uh, Blender, okay. or, you know, any of the, yeah. like, what, you know, what is the point of it? And, you know, you start the conversation with like, oh, well, it's a lot, you know, it's, it can be a live engine, so it can run in real time. And then that opens up the conversation about, okay, so why would I want to do that? For a lot of times, it's like, oh, well, it makes render times, you know, it reduces render time. So when you're finished a project, but then you go and look at, you know, again, the kind of stuff you're doing where it's like, this is an integration of so many different moving parts. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're also meeting people at a lot of different, like, People are seeing these, seeing the content, the fact that they can interact with you live. I mean, that is bridging a lot of gaps. You know, Tw- Twitch exists out, you know, independent of YouTube because there's such a demand for live interaction and live content. So it's just interesting to see you kind of building these bridges between all these things that have been going on. Yeah, it's um, I, honestly, I feel like not a lot of people have like a great conception around it. Like there's a lot of interest in Unreal Engine right now. And some of it's sort of misplaced like i've seen some other people like kind of i don't want to say like get it wrong or something like that because i'm i'm no like arbiter of like what's what when it comes to the 3d world but i i've used a number of other pieces of software like i've been i was a heavy after effects user for a really long time and i cut my 3d chops learning blender like four or five years ago Mm. and um i definitely did some like traditional rendering projects and it's like it's a whole different bag in here. Like there are some of the same tools in Unreal Engine to do a lot of that stuff. Cause I know a lot of the people in your audience are specifically 3d artists. Yeah. You also have developers too. The, um, this, this whole thing about working in Unreal Engine and people, you know, I think for the most part, people know this, but it's, it's a game engine. So it works like a game engine works until it's time to do other stuff. And then it like, then it works how, you know, like how the, uh, you know, how those tools work within a game engine, basically. Right. So like there's a, a sequencer you can use to do timelines, right? For like nonlinear editing, timelines, keyframing, stuff like that. Uh, and it kind of all lives there. But then there's like some supplementary tools that you need to have a good handle on to be able to like work well. And some of that stuff just like works out of the box in Maya or Blender or something like that. And it's like a little bit more. Right. You're, you're, yeah, it's, it's like the repurposing of a game engine for other things can feel different than, you know, like what's crazy is I I also have a a background in Blender and obviously Blender has Eevee now, which is their sort of raster based engine, not really quite real time, but like way faster (laughs) than cycles. And uh, apparently there's a, a, a rewrite of that engine coming out, Eevee next, which might change change some things but you know the point being is they had uh blender had a game engine a game engine that you could write you know functionality into way back like oh, 2. yeah like 2.6 or you know and then that got phased out and then shortly thereafter ev came out but there was a game engine that you you know you could bind controls and you know you could make a little uh, platformer game where you go around and you shoot a little ball and it like knocks over some cubes um but yeah it, it's it's uh 
for me, that is like even opening Unreal. It doesn't really look like, you know, I can tell there's just a base level of knowledge you need to have that is separate from working in maybe some of these other programs. Yeah. So like when I first got into it, it was pretty opaque. Like there's a long second where I was like, huh, what? And I pushed myself really hard to make something that like, like a, you know, make a video in it, like pushed really hard. And it took me a while. It took me like a month to make the first video. But like oh, wow. as, as time went on, like I could just kind of see how I could use code to do more and more of it, which was good because then I could start like figuring out the tools. Um, and I was like, okay, great. It's like I can start plugging all this stuff in. And the thing is like using their code system is like honestly really easy. Like if you get into Blueprint, the visual scripting stuff, it's like yeah. you just kind of like type in what you're looking for and then it kind of hands it to you, like a lot of it. And there's a lot of things you can program without really needing to dig into you know, a lot of tutorials or the language and stuff. Like it can be kind of feast or famine sometimes, but for the most part, like I feel like I'm, you know, I'm able to dig into it. Um, and that's so like, really quick though with blueprints. Yeah. I mean, I feel like blueprints is always a little bit of a mysterious word, you know, you, yeah. that people here get thrown around. What would be some of the main blueprints or the main use cases of using blueprints you know i, I sure. as it you know it's replacing code is it kind of something that can help open like a door if it needs to is it something where you add physics onto something or so okay so broad strokes here thirty thousand foot view blueprint is a yeah. visual scripting language unreal actually has two different languages you can write in you can write in c plus plus or you can write in blueprint and um kind of the idea behind blueprint at least how what i've heard from epic is like you like blueprint is designed for game designers who want to like make stuff really fast it's not designed to be like the workhorse most possibly efficient uh system that you would run a game on like typically in the triple a world people are like designing things in blueprint to be able to like figure out quickly if something's cool or not and then they're letting the engineers who are a little bit more code specific get in there and like do all the optimizations afterwards. There's ways you mm. can nativize Blueprint into C++ or you can just kind of, I don't know, like make your prototypes and go back in and start from scratch. And if you have a really big team, it works well like that. But if you're someone like me who's like, hey, there's just one of me, uh, Blueprint gets the job done pretty well. I mean, people have made whole games in it. I, if I'm not mistaken, Deep Rock Galactic is written in Unreal Blueprint in Unreal oh. Engine 4. And that's like, I don't know if you guys play that game. That's a pretty sick game. Like, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a ton of fun. I have a lot of friends that play that game. And when I found out, I was like, all right, yeah. Because, uh, you know, there's endless debates in the dev community. It's like, oh, Blueprint versus C++. Like, oh, C++ is hard to use. Oh, Blueprint's so slow. Like, Unity versus Unreal Engine. Like, oh, the Unity is, like, it's so much more friendly. Uh, uh, Unreal, the graphics are so much better. And it's, like, it's not interesting. Like, it, I feel like I can tell whether or not someone is invested in either technology by hearing how much they compare it with the other. Right. Yeah, and, and just also some of those conversations do sort of get in the way of like, you know, uh, like tech debt can be a thing, you know, there yeah. can be a point in your career where you realize, like, I talk to a lot of people to meet up that, you know, even just ha even having outdated hardware becomes an issue for them where it's like, I, mm. you know, I'm trying to push my skills as a 3d artist. And like the biggest barrier is that 
you know, I can't see anything in my viewport in real time and it takes forever to render stuff. So it makes it, you know, in a lot of ways, re the resources oh, are limited. Yeah, but absolutely. Th there's also the other side of that, where as you mature as an artist or as you get more specific, you know, specific in your workflow, you sort of cut out the fat and you realize you might not need as much stuff, you know? And then suddenly the question is, you know, you have these conversations of well, which engine's better or, you know, which coding language is better. And yeah, I mean, there might be some cases where it's worth having that conversation with yourself, but, you know, for the most part, it's like, if you're comfortable with something and it works for you, you know, there's all, the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm at the point where I need to switch some of my projects to C++ this year, I think. Um mm. Like it's, it's just kind of about time. So what features, I guess, um, would you be looking to switch over? I think probably just um, switching over parts of, um, not necessarily for like my virtual set, like right now, like, like I probably will always have this in just like an easy to edit blueprint. Um, but like some of the game projects I'm working on, I do a lot of game projects. Uh, some of those, it's like, okay, well, what if this game, what if I wanted to release it on Steam? What if I wanted to do like a broad release of this? Or, you know, what if someone came to me and they're like, hey, Woody, we want to make an enterprise level uh, experience. I start to like look at that a little bit more seriously when you're looking at like, okay, what's the most efficiently this can run across like a host of different computers? Like, yeah. And at that point you're beholden to, you know, in the case of doing something for another person, you're suddenly beholden to another person's standards and, yeah. you know, maybe one format is more easily ingested. Yeah. So it's like when you, the second you start scaling stuff, um, I think it's probably, yeah, it makes sense. You would be thinking through that stuff. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's something I think about a lot. It's one of the things that makes it really tricky to me is like, I spend a lot of time doing educational content. So like I do a lot of tutorials and stuff. Like if you look on my YouTube channel, like, you will find cool game projects that I have made right next to like, here's how you do this. And I think a lot of folks who are just trying to get into it, like, I think it makes perfect sense to start with blueprint. So like right. a big part of me is like, okay, well I should keep making blueprint content because I want people who are getting into this at a beginner level to like, you know, to thrive. Like yeah, uh, yeah. I was having this conversation with someone they're like, well, you know, like, you know, they were like, I see what you're doing with your really simple model. Like you're look, you make it look really easy and friendly to get started. Cause like, you guys know professional character artists like Mike, you do character stuff like, you know, yeah. like you could go heavy and stuff. And I'm just like a, a guy that got subdivved too many times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like it's um, it's always sort of like a, a battle with me of like how much time do I indulge on my own projects going in depth technically to the greatest level that I can and how much of it's like, uh, you know, um, I should probably keep this like simple because i might want to make a tutorial out of it yeah yeah mm. like keeping you know the burden of keeping things accessible almost where you know you don't want to go too far but which kind of brings me to my next question which is so i guess that leaves the the question of what is what are the motivating factors for like the the woody devs project so it sounds like it sounds like at least from what you shared you have this like immense you know passion and skill at at coding and you know again the intersection of all these different things but then it seems like you're also very passionate about, you know, helping people learn. So you, what, are, what are the things that get that gets you excited about a project? Yeah. So I think what makes a Woody Devs project a Woody Devs project, um, a couple examples, like uh, last year I made a VR game. Uh, I also made a, uh, I made a couple of different RPGs. One was an RPG I built that can sort of like, 
I'm just trying to get like pave some examples first before I answer the question. Like I'm holding, I'm holding onto your question. <laughs> the, That's all right. I, yeah. Uh, the, so I built an RPG last year that could turn my to-do list into like a visual RPG system. And I made it so I could play with friends on discord, um, which was really fun. I made a way to sort of play TTRPGs, like tabletop RPGs on Twitch and like expose all of the controls to chatters so that like if people wanted to play a game like a Pathfinder or a D&D, it actually runs my own game rule set because it's a little bit more optimized for stream. But like it's uh, it it's really cool. Like if you like we're actually we're actually doing one tomorrow. I don't know if I'm supposed to plug things, but uh, no, oh, plug, plug away. The, uh, yeah, so, like, it's that it's that kind of thing, but, the, like, so when you look at that, it's, like, you know, you toss in, like, a VR game here or there. Um, I, was, I was also working on, like, a Dance Dance Revolution game last year. Oh. I haven't quite finished uh, that one. I, wanna, I want that. Uh, I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> we, I, just, I just bought a PS2 and some DDR oh. mats. Oh, snap. Uh, just just to have, Andrew's house. Just to I'll have, bring the Mountain yeah. Dew. <laughs> and, and to be honest, the neighbors downstairs, they just moved out and no one's <laughs> no one's taking over that apartment. Yes. So I no longer have the guilt of, of like the other thing, you know, okay, just pro tip. Sorry, this is an aside. Pro tip, if you ever buy a PS2 on eBay, make sure you get that memory card because I've been playing yeah. the same songs. You know, you <laughs> there is no you don't get to save any progress. But Oh yeah, yeah those fun. uh those those sixty four megabyte cards, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, going back to PS two has been a honestly kind of a journey. Party like but it's like... two thousand five. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said you missed some you said you might have missed some consoles as a kid. I definitely missed some consoles. I had a PS two for much longer than I probably should have. Yeah. yeah. That was my first console, so yeah, same. I, I, I bought it myself. I like shoveled snow for two two winters. I got a, I got a switch in October, honestly. Nice. And I, that was like like the gap for me went from like the Nintendo Wii to the Nintendo Switch. Like didn't play anything <laughs> in between there. And I guess that's only like one console, but wait a second. Hold up. Where I buried the lead a little bit. You asked me what Yeah, I know, what I know. I'm sorry. I, was gonna say, I didn't I did not mean to uh go go on the aside there with the DDR thing, but I No, you're good. We, we could I like let me answer this question because I yeah. have like a really solid I like you know how like you do interviews and like sometimes people like ask you all kinds of different questions and then like if someone asked me that question, it's like all right, game over. Like I got this. All right, cool. so, so you asked me sort of like what makes a Woody Dev's project? Like, why are you doing what you're doing basically? And I think that we're seeing everywhere. We're seeing like technology expand and explode. And there's like all of these new possibilities of things we can do. And to me, none of it has any point unless it has like potential for human connection. Like if we can't uh, do it in community, mm. if we can't create cool stories out of it, it is completely meaningless yeah. And I think we'll see that continue to play out. So whenever I'm thinking about a project, I'm thinking about like, okay, how can I bring people together? Like, how can I collaborate with people I'm excited about working with? Um, you know, how can I make something that would um, sort of like, like what, what about something would even the playing field between people uh, that like traditionally sit on one side of like a parasocial relationship? Like, how could I make something that would kind of like leave people with like an indelible memory of whatever it is they did. So that that's like sort of the driving ethos behind why be a 3D character, behind why make some of the stuff that I make. And like on top of that, like, you know, looking forward, it's just like sort of the driving force. It's like, why, why do any yeah. of this? Why keep doing this? It's like, it's hard. No, it's even, very even hard to do. I was going to say, I mean, the, well, the first thing too is like, I think, 
in speaking with you, it's obvious that you have uh, a, a vast technical skill set, which, you know, yeah. enforces a lot of what you're doing. But like, you know, first thing, first thing I thought when I saw your stuff was like, oh my gosh, just the amount of content, the type of content you're putting out being, you know, with my background, obviously it's very easy for me to be like, that is just so, you know, that is a commitment. That is a lot of time and a lot of energy that goes into it. But when you describe it the way you do, I mean, it even, it even makes sense why you have, you know, maybe uh, an avatar and, you know, why you have this degree of anonymity because you sort of, it's, it sounds like it's almost your ethos, which is that, you know, stripping away all the stuff, how do you bring people together and, and enjoying stuff? Um, and it really is, it can be as simple as maybe some of what you're doing with what devs, you know? Yeah, there's sort of like a danger to it, right? Because like, I feel like I have like sort of boiled down all the stuff that's like the best parts of me and like reconfigured it digitally. Like the, uh, um, you know, like in real life, like I'm just some guy, like everybody else, you know, it's like, there's no difference between me and you in all reality, other than the layers of technology that I've put in front of me into this live stream to be with you. Right. The, but the um, something about being virtual and like something about crafting the image also means like you can kind of craft what it is you're showing up for, I think. So like of the stuff that motivates me, I think that goes back even just to the very aesthetic that I have. It's like, I am a very optimistic, positive person who is like, very driven to like keep creating those experiences nice. so like i've created something that's like sort of like the symbol of that you know yeah like, like a talisman or a um the you know, batman I'm... symbol in the sky yeah um... it's sort of yeah it's just the <laughs> no i mean <laughs> but, but that's also a mustache, and like, a mustache. It, it, a mustache if you will <laughs> i mean isn't that isn't that also you know i feel like that's every business business or like being in business for yourself or being a freelancer, like all these books are basically, you know, the, the starting point for all of them is pretty much um, figure out, you know, have, have a beacon, have a beacon, if you will, like have something that you're, con you know, cause the second that you, you know, you start doing too much of one thing because it's what you're, you think you're supposed to be doing and it's not what you want to be doing. You know, you find yourself at the crossroads of your career of like, well, you know, what am I showing up for? Mm -hmm. Right. I think like I have, I didn't, before I was doing this, I didn't always know what it was I was supposed to be doing. And I yeah. feel like as part of the identity of the Woody devs character, which is like still an extension of me. It's like, it kind of answers the question of like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right. Mm. Which, well, and actually this is, it's getting, I'm getting a little heady. I'm no, no, no. This is perfect. One, pants. one of the <laughs> things, um, one of the things we talk uh, a lot about with, you know, when new members come to like our meetups um, or jump on our discord and we're chatting with people, you know, we're always looking for what are the things that you're interested in as an artist? What, you know, what questions do you have? What, you know, if you could talk to someone and ask, you know, pick their brain. And one thing that keeps coming up and I, I would love to post to you is sort of like, was there a project? Was there a client? Was there a, a learning goal that you achieved or something? Like, was there some point in your career where you feel like that sort of put you on a path? that opportunities started presenting themselves you felt you know confident as an artist and you know anything kind of in that realm of like the thing that got you started or yeah the, i guess the thing that got you there maybe gosh i had a lot of little moments like that um so i like it's i have like a sort of like a contemplative relationship with like how i got started because it i think could kind of those things like your the story you tell yourself about who you are kind of gets away from you sometimes or like can be a little bit overbaked. Uh, so I was 
into what I've been doing very early on. So like I did my first film festival as a filmmaker when I was 15. I was even, I was even younger than that when I was doing, um, like game dev stuff it, before, before you guys are like oh wow it's like was like it was a very much a local film festival but oh, that's i mean yeah, yeah. but still so, yeah you, you you had a calling and you followed it your boy was not doing sundance at 15 that was not the thing <laughs> but like like i kept i kept making stuff and i kept showing people stuff and people would be like oh man this is so great like you gotta um you gotta do this with it like you gotta do this next thing we're like would you like to help us out on this shoot and like it was just like a lot of little run-ins with like older people when I was a kid who were just like, oh my gosh. Like I remember there's um there was a, a DP I met back when I like was mostly just doing shooting stuff who saw like a lot of the films I was making because at that time it was like I hadn't really even conceived of the fact that you could like I could meld my, the part of my brain that films and the part of my brain that codes. Um like I hadn't even figured that out yet. And like he um this was a long time ago and I, I was still in high school when I met this guy. And uh, he was like, we were talking and I, I was talking to him and I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going, what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, I'm like 16 or 17 at this point, And I'm like, I, I'm not sure. Like, I don't really like want to go to college and stuff. And he was like, you know, dude, some people I would like, I would say like, you should make a fallback plan. Like, I don't, I don't think you should do that. I think you should just go do it. Like, I think you already know how to make films. So just go make films. Nice. And I would pass that same advice on to anyone who's trying to figure out like, yeah. Uh, you know, like if you if you know you really want to do it, like just go do it. The mm. it's it's kind of a simple thing. I feel like anyone who's figured out how to do anything cool these days, typically the advice they give is like just pushing people to action. Um, which is kind of weird because the like it's the least actionable advice, even if it is the truth. Yeah. Like yeah. like if you tell someone to just go do something, like you they they kind of know that they're supposed to just go do something. Like it's not not the most helpful thing in the world to say um i don't know where i'm going with that i think <laughs> like, no no i mean but yeah. i think i think it is true it's 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 one of those things where um you know opportunity isn't going to come to you and sometimes and sometimes it is just you going out and doing a thing and it, it you know that's i've now been doing this for like 10 or 11 years and whenever i talk to someone who's younger and just getting started in you know any of this i mean one it's like the wild west right now just again yeah. with, with the tech boom and like how much things are changing and how quickly things are changing so i already kind of feel a little um dated uh, and i'm like <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm the best person to be giving the advice right now but but really it's also hard to convey like so many things that happened for for my career didn't happen because i chose them to you know i didn't i didn't conceive of an idea five years prior and said like this is going to be what my career is going to be it was more just that like i knew that i couldn't do anything other than that for a job you know and then you start doing it and then things start popping up and like you get i mean for me it's terrible to say but it's like a lot of it is just vibes you know yeah you meet people you vibe with they help you out, you help each other out, you know, and, and sometimes you get burned. Sometimes you absolutely get burned and you got to figure out what to watch for. But, um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time it is just, it, like you said, it's as simple as getting started. Right. The, well, what do you, I do want to ask, but getting started in this very unique path that you're on, um, what are some of like the challenges that you've had to come across or overcome? Whether yeah. It be, yeah. So I think like, I mean, like most of my challenges are honestly internal, right? Like, um, I think, and I don't think that's uncommon for people. Um, like, uh, so I mentioned, like I started really young and I mentioned, I'm like, I sort of think really consciously about my origin story. Like, um, you know, 
that's not always the best thing to like just launch right into something when you're really young because like when you first start something and you're like a quote unquote child prodigy about anything like it kind of messes with you because you get a ton of like really positive feedback because people want to encourage you and then as like the years go by you're like oh wait like uh you know what do i you know, what do I do to get that kind of attention, right? Like, if you're just, like, making, like, it's like everybody hits a point in whatever they're doing that where it's mediocre, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, where you're kind of just, like, in the weeds figuring out your craft and you're just, like, working on stuff and it's not as notable. And, like, you hit a certain point where it's, like, not, like, that interesting how old you are. And, like, I think for me, like I, I had so many people when I was young, like just get super excited about what I was doing. I feel like it's kind of like pushed me to keep realizing crazier and crazier things like the avatar. I'm like, like this is somewhat of a novel thing, right. For me to be mm-hmm. doing an interview as a virtual person. Um, I know a lot of other people who do this and a part of my brain is like, okay, like I can think of ways to make this whole thing even cooler because I think I'm like cognizant of like the fact that it is like really freaking dope to like, you know, be doing this technological thing in like a way that I'm cognizant of and like uh, I'm grateful for the opportunities it brings. Um, But at the same time, like I realized like, okay, like is this, am I doing what I'm doing? Because like I was that kid and I like need ways to continue to impress people. Like I ask myself that sometimes. So like you're asking me like what the struggles are like, I can definitely get in my own head a lot, a big time. I have like, I'm, I'm pretty outspoken about my mental health stuff. Um, you know, I like, it's not really a secret. I talk about, I have like generalized anxiety disorder and se- severe ADHD, like just mm, to pretty, like, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, so like a little bit of, a little bit of XR, <laughs> XR motion lore here. Uh, we were actually supposed to do this like two weeks ago. And I was like, I was also, I was like, okay, perfect. Like, you know, 7 PM, I'll just go do that recording with Mike and Andrew. And and, like, before then I'm just going to like redo all my cable management. Cause like, dude, but like the funny thing is, is that happened. And I, the first thing I said to Mike was like, I, this has happened to me. I've done this exact thing where I just like, for some reason was just sitting at my desk and was like, I, there's one thing I have to do right now and it's tear apart every single connection in my computer and then put it back together and hopefully it looks cleaner than it does now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no no like, big deal, right? That's not like, yeah. that doesn't take yeah, that, that won't, long. That's not going to like totally disrupt an entire day of work. That's not going to take eight to 10 hours. Yeah. That'll be fine. I'm definitely not going to miss that podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, that's. That is a, that's a struggle. I get that. I get cable that. management. Yeah. That's the biggest one. What make what's hard about your life? What do you, Oh, it's those freaking cables everywhere. Uh, no, I well, mean, and just, I mean, I, for, for me, I mean, I'm being facetious. A, a cluttered space is a cluttered space oh, does man. catch up to me. Like if it's yep, bad, yeah. if it gets it like, I, I let myself mm-hmm. get cluttered, but like it does hit a point where I'm suddenly like, I can't work in this, but good wire management is like being in a Zen garden. It yeah. is just so good. This is also going to sound whack, right? People might not even believe me on here. Uh, if you have an extra table with stuff under it, put a um, a tablecloth over it. I mean, I don't even know. Maybe I think Andrew might have seen it. I might have had it over. But you can't see anything under it. And I have two tables next to each other, both 
with identical tablecloths and and you can't say anything oh it's just beautiful it i guess i like, haven't really uh, you do have a nice you have a nice office space yeah oh, I, man i've gotten so into just my office and the environment and the the ambiance that it gives the lighting off. it's it's yeah. a game changer for creativity. You got, you know? you got your like gamer vibes on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh wait, yeah. hold on, hold on. I will. Um, let me Mike see looks. Stuff. Mike's let setup looks like he's about just, to hit. Like, just the... join here with if I can get my gamer vibes. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Gamer you need to have vibes. a little uh, white uh, light. I need a white fill in, in the front, yeah, but yeah. I don't have it. I, have it. I have the ability to change my lighting setups. I don't think I can do it. <laughs> can what do you, do you have like a gamer mode? And it this Unreal makes me Engine so mad because it would be it would take me so little effort to set that up. And it, like I wish I could hit a button and just do that. I don't know why I don't have <laughs> RGB on command. This like I'm thoroughly shamed by this. Uh, <laughs> the, Y'all look like you're about to like really throw down in Valorant right now. <laughs> um, We're about to go I've, do a, a forty man raid right after this. Yeah, you're you're Leroy about to Jenkins. you're about to do a battle royale. I, I don't. Is it obvious? I don't play that many video games. <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy making your own. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, that's a. Uh, I also uh, very specifically remember at one point um, when I was first starting out, and I think as many people do, uh, Andrew Kramer. Oh yeah, a lot. Oh, of course. Effects. Yeah, and the, and it, there was maybe one time where he did. You know, he 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 usually just did like very specific, you know, AE tutorials. But I think he did one one time that was just talking about you know how do you get good at After Effects. And he's like, the first thing you have to do is stop playing video games. <laughs> yeah. You need to reclaim all of the time that you spend playing video games and you need to spend it in After Effects. And he was right. I mean, he was yeah, right. Yeah, I remember we even spoke to uh, Bernhard Vanderhurst. And oh, right. He, he was, uh, I think it was like Left for Dead or something he was obsessed with. And uh, he just stopped playing and then got in, was like, I miss playing games and I'm just going to start making 3D characters of... Uh, games that i like and then yeah now he's like a lead game designer which is crazy for right characters. yeah that was uh yeah. you, i think actually i may have crossed the threshold where like i intentionally was like i was working really hard and i don't always work on weekends like i try not to but i did this weekend and i like literally put a reminder in my phone to like pop up and be like yo play video games like, like <laughs> yeah it's take take at least 10 minutes to just go do something mindless and you yeah know. yeah I actually had to uninstall Rocket League uh, like a year or two oh ago because I was just, I had to look at my day and just say, you know, what is taking up the most time in my day? <laughs> and it's Rocket League. It, pff, Rocket League, man. I was addicted. That's that game was too fun. That yeah, my TikTok feed, everything. But um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good stuff. Well, I want to ask um, real quick before we jump into the the future stuff here because i do want to jump into that and i'm very excited to um with unreal engine 5, well there's two questions um i'll ask them both now so i don't forget um one is unreal engine 5 are you using unreal engine yeah. 4 or 5 um because i know a lot of people are still sticking with unreal engine 4 5 you're five. on 5 okay 5.0.3 uh, so I what uh, do you think it's glitchy? Have, were there glitches? Has that um, 
been overcome and why are still are or are people still using four or is like all that gone and just so, the whole industry is on five now no i don't think the whole industry is on five by a long shot um okay. we've had i think only a couple of titles have come out with five it takes a long oh, time really? to make triple a games mm. unreal is like one of the few turnkey solutions for people who make triple a games like a lot of the the, um, the people are making AAA stuff, they're either using their proprietary engines or tool sets, or, you know, they're using like one of like several, like, you know, um, you know, you have a, gosh, I, 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 I'm not in like the gaming industry per se. Like I'm yeah, very much on the good. indie side of it. So I don't want to embarrass myself. The, um, but like, you know, like Unreal Engine games take a long time to make. And they're typically when you make them, with the full team and you're doing the game design pass and then you're like recoding it in C++ and you have art teams and you have rigging teams and you have big groups of people like that is a, that's a huge thing. I, I was reading a level 80 article where someone quoted as saying that um, if someone started making a triple a game now, it would come out on the PS six. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Jeez. So no, for real, like it's like they're incredible monumental efforts so when you're playing those games, like it, you got to think about that. So a lot of people are still in Unreal 4 because they started that build in Unreal 4. Right. And, and like, like what's the, the burden of transferring yeah, it over? I, I was talking to some well. devs recently who like, they're like, yeah, we made the switch. Like we upgraded our project and it was a huge pain. Like, so a lot of people are still on 4 because they started there and they still have to finish their delivery. And some people, like, some of the stuff that's been started in 5, like, 5 came out in full release last year. So, like, that, you know, it hasn't even been out a full year yet. So you haven't seen most of the good Unreal 5 projects yeah. yet. So, I've like, mm-hmm. like uh, Stray was a game that came out last year. That was Unreal yeah. 4. Like Stray was, was Unreal game. 4? Yeah, but it was 4. Mm. Yeah, I know, like, I've heard of a lot of these games might be doing almost a Disney universe type thing uh, just to say it is kind of like Fortnite. it just oh. is a continual game you make one game and then you just keep kind of evolving it yeah um and i know that they were saying they might do that with ea sports might be doing that with the maddens and the sports mm. games where it's more just you have a subscription and then that subscription just upgrades it versus getting the whole game right um, you'll you'll that'll own... definitely string out the process of whatever engine you're on a lot of those guys a lot of those games are on their in-house engines i'm pretty sure well uh fortnite is on unreal engine 5 and that right. upgrade yep. that they just did this last season massive it's really yeah. crazy you know there's things you don't even realize sometimes with game engines or i didn't even realize with unreal engine 4 and 5 i think it was lumen but it literally does the like if you're indoors and it's bright outside and it's dark inside you can't see outside and then if you go outside like it does kind of like that brightish light it's like just that's definitely not that's definitely not an unreal 5 thing oh can i can i I give you can i make a huge confession right now sure go ahead i'm pretty sure i'm not reaping the benefits of that i i I can't i'll be a hundred with you guys (laughs) i play i play fortnite on my switch so i'm not I'm not exactly getting like the top oh, yeah, tier yeah, yeah. highest it, FPS. It's the throttled. It's the most throttled version of Fortnite. Like, I might as well be playing on like a Raspberry Pi. It's not going great for <laughs> oh, my me. God. 
I, I'm not great at Fortnite. <laughs> I, I won't even talk too much about it because I'll go on a whole tangent. It's like the w- one game I still play, and that's maybe like a round or two a day, but um, I'll delete that off the podcast. That's going to be the one thing I go back and <laughs> We're live, dude. There's no deleting this, man. <laughs> I'm going to edit that to I never play Fortnite. No, uh, but... You got to because you got to learn After Effects. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, Andrew Damer. Um, what, still, one still thing topical. I want to say, this is my last question, then uh, we'll see if Andrew has any more, but um, before we get in the future stuff here, but uh, is there anybody that you would recommend um, watching? I know you have amazing tutorials. Anybody, it's just Woody Devs, go check those out. Um, but it, besides yourself, are there any other people that you would recommend, um, people like myself or anybody just getting started, go watch and um, start learning from? So many people, so many people. I'm actually working on a video about that, just a video on YouTube where I'm just highlighting other YouTubers. Wow. It depends totally on what you want to do because Unreal Engine does so many different things, right? Um, so, uh, you know, if like, you're into motion graphics, you should check out Jonathan Winbush. If you're into rendering, you should yeah. check out like William Fauché. Uh, if you're into uh, a lot of like shader stuff, you should check out my my buddy Charles from the Prismatica game. Um, mm. There's like a, there's a lot of folks. If you want to do VTuber stuff, um, you should check out me. You can check out my friend Riku. These are all people I, I shout out a lot because they're like really good places to send people who are like trying to learn that stuff. Um, the uh, I, I think for me, like sort of on the horizon, I feel like a lot of people are going to come out with products that like kind of do what I do that will let everybody just be here. Like. I, I have gone back and forth about whether or not I want to develop something like that. Ultimately, they become really difficult to support. Um, but uh, so like, I think for me, like I, I'm still kind of looking at this in terms of like, okay, I want to like, I want to go to a lot of different places in Unreal Engine. Like where, like where all can I continue to keep scratching? Um, you know, like there's way more to do in the world of film stuff. There's more I want to do with motion capture and there's more that I want to do with um, game design in general uh you know like like i've been like i've been even trying to figure out like okay like how what would it take to make a networked game like to make a you know a multiplayer online game like what would that take just like a you know a small one like a bite-sized multiplayer game so like even so for me like i when i'm learning i'm learning from all these different people because like i kind of let my imagination drive when it comes to like what what's gonna happen next like uh, in terms of like what I'm doing, like right now I've been very comfortably like enjoying building games that you can play on Twitch. Uh, yeah. That's been extremely rewarding for me. Like uh, t- like tomorrow night we'll be playing uh, a live RPG. If anyone just comes into my chat, you can just exclamation point spawn and then you'll get a character and you can change your class. You can change what kind of character you're playing that's and dope. like you'll, you'll get stats and you can roll dice for them and stuff. It's a lot of fun. I have a tutorial about that. The, there's, there's, there's starting to be more better educators in the Unreal space, like the, um, for a lot of different things. Um, so a lot of the tutorials I have currently are about how to set up like live animation stuff, like you're seeing now. Um, I write all of the programming for all of the 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 like motion capture peripherals I use, like. Um, I use a, a leap motion for my hands, but I do, the, um, Ooh, nice. like, but I like take, like I was, I wrote the code to transfer the data into my rig live. Mm. Um, so, 
uh, that actually that actually was so hard I didn't know how to make a tutorial about. Uh, <laughs> but like I've you know I did I've done something similar with Vive trackers. So like a lot of my stuff is kind of about about that. I think the real time motion capture stuff is super interesting. Uh, mm. I've lost a lot of money trying to figure out how, like what's the best way to do uh, <laughs> real time motion capture. I've got videos about that if people are interested in. Um, hearing my opinions about all that but the um gosh yeah i, I don't want to go on a tear here yeah does that answer your question There's yeah like... yeah no definitely you named some good names and i yeah. you know and i'm glad to you know there's just so much good content on your channel especially and uh, you know i've already seen a lot of it but i mean there's just so much more i want to dive deeper into your channel and uh, a few that i think i need to even rewatch because yeah, it's it's man. I tell you, it's like my glass is already filled with knowledge, and uh, it's just I gotta I gotta keep rewatching videos so it sticks. You know. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you one thing that I'm learning right now is mm -hmm. that like when I'm building games, like I built a couple of games last year where I made the mistake of like making the game, making the game super cool, and then making a video about the cool game, and then like maybe nobody watched the video, so like. What I'm trying to do more is like think harder about the entire creative process and how to document all of it to make mm -hmm. more videos to like, first of off, like first of all, ugh, first of all, to show people more of the process and show them how to do that. But then also, cause like, you know, like you make one cool little game and it's a drop in the bucket and then nobody finds it. And it's like, and then right. nobody knows that you're going to be playing it on Twitch and they could like come join you and play it some more. And, um, so like I'm looking at a couple of things this year. I'm currently making a Twitch playable game and I recorded the process of developing it, but like I made it without all of the art so that it's like a perfectly usable tutorial for anyone who's just trying to make that kind of game. Um, I don't know how to explain what kind of game it is. It kind of helps if it's genre, right? Like that's probably good for a tutorial for discoverability and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, I have a little bit of a content brain thing. It's like, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same. Like you're thinking about it's like, okay, like I also I want to make a tutorial that helps people, but also it'd be really cool if it like was like did well on YouTube and like people found it so that I'm not wasting all <laughs> oh, of my yeah. time. So yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah. not like spending, you know, hours and hours on all this technology and it ultimately just like goes into a void. Yeah. Of, I mean, you know. and you I feel like any of <laughs> anyone who's who does this kind of work, I feel like has that moment where you're trying to find a piece of information and for some reason it's just not tagged with what you're looking, you know, mm -hmm. it, I've, I've had a few projects where it's like, when I finally find the video, I like bookmark it, uh, email it to myself, text it to myself. I'm like, I can't lose this because it took so long to find. So yeah, yeah. I mean, having, having, having pro it, but it, I mean, all that goes to the point of, um, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like the best approach to learning on real is scoping out exactly what it is you're kind of wanting to achieve with it. And then finding, you know, the the creator that's sort of working in the in that realm yes. so yeah mm -hmm. so i did make a video recently that was just about the best places to get started learning unreal like what sites should you check out like should you you how much youtube should you use for that like you know if you're just coming in out of nowhere like where sh where should you go like i made a video just covering that topic specifically and that was like one of the first things i said like you're right on the money andrew like that's exactly the best advice to give anybody is like um you know, like, like figure out what you want to make. Like, I think people ask me, like, how do I learn Unreal? It's like the thing I'm always telling people is like, 
what do you want to make in Unreal? Because I haven't yeah. learned Unreal. There are so many subsystems of Unreal that I don't know how to use. Like it's an enormous program. Like I have, I have, you know, just the slightest idea for most things. Like I haven't even touched like large parts of the engine. Um, and I, I definitely want to, but like, you know, like I need a project to actually get me to the kind of learning I need to get those skills. So like, that's typically how I think about my process is like, okay, what, what do I want to do next? And what will I learn that's new in the process? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise I start to get a little bored. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think that's always the number one thing. And especially even with coding, it's like, you need to know exactly what you're making. um, Because if not, you're, yeah, you're going to get a hundred percent bored, but you know, when you know what you want to build, like if you're built, like if you had 10 pieces of wood and somebody said like, oh, you want to be a builder? It's like, yeah. Well, if you're just like hammering pieces (laughs) of wood together with a nail, you're not going to feel good. But if you know you're building a birdhouse and it looks like a birdhouse when you're done, it's euphoric, you know? Yeah. That feeling of accomplishment is just so good. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead. Um, just we're, uh, we're getting here on the hour mark. So we're going to jump into our future section. Okay. Um, so Andrew, did you have any other questions or I feel, I feel like I'm ready to jump to the future stuff for sure. All right, let's do it. The future. Yes. Sound. We got the sounds. All right. Welcome to the future portion of the show. Um, this is where we just discuss about what we think's coming down the line in our future digital industry. And um, there's it's all speculation, right? We're not judging. We're just out here having a cup of coffee and just saying what we think might happen, right? So, uh, but yeah. So anyway, to start it off, um, we're going to probably talk about one of we're going to mix it up a little bit because this is, I think, the longest we've gone without touching this subject. Oh, boy. Uh, I know what's the most coming. recent um, podcast. But AI. There what it is. You, there you it know, is. There coming, it is. Being in, in this, you know, real-time <clears throat> engine, real-time uh, avatar that you're in, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on the AI industry. Have you – is there any – have you been using it at all? Are you already, you know, do you yeah. plan on it? What, what's your whole thoughts on that? I have been collecting my thoughts on AI for sure. Um, maybe to the detriment of my mental health. Uh, so um, it's interesting. Like, I feel like the two games for like, what's the future? Like the two biggest parts of the future are like, what's going on in real time technology and what's going on in AI technology for sure. Um I have a few more eggs in the real time basket. Um, yeah, so let's 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 talk about it a little bit, right? Because like one of the thing I'm sort of averse to is like dudes who have too many opinions about it. And I, I follow some of these people on Twitter, and um, I'm not subtweeting anyone. Yeah, no, I am definitely subtweeting people when I say this. But like, mm. but you're I, also like, on a podcast with two of them as well. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say I, I think I might fall in this bucket. I don't know. <laughs> so like, I, I'm like sort of averse to it because like. First off, the future is uncertain, and like mm-hmm. I, 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 like I said, I have tremendous issues with anxiety. So, like, 
I yeah, need so, like personally spinning out like, about the uh, potential future is like uh, yeah worst case yeah. scenario. That's the whole that game also. with anxiety is like yeah. just like like losing your mind about the future and what's yeah, coming up, uh, worrying uh, about something that may or may not happen. <laughs> and I don't I don't know what it is, right? Like I'm you know I, like that's something I need to remind myself, right? Um, it's it's a you know it's an ego boost to like go on somebody's podcast. It's like a, it's a real honor to be here and stuff like that. But like I have no idea. Like I have no idea what the the future holds as <laughs> yeah, as we yeah, go into. Yeah. I don't know if I'm deflating this whole segment. Anyways, no, uh, no, 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 that's, is, that's a very real. I think that's a common. I think that's a very common um, sentiment right now. Is that yeah? It is so crazy how quickly things have progressed, and yeah. so I think people are simultaneously kind of blindsided and overwhelmed by the reality that we're currently in, which is maybe further along that, you know, I think text, I think text to image chat GPT, uh, pretty soon text to video. Those are pretty, it's pretty overwhelming technology to witness. Um, yeah. so I think you have that compounded by exactly what you're describing, which is true. If we're all being honest, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. You know? um, right. And if you, if you speculate in the moment of being overwhelmed, it's much easier to spin out. I think a, a wild worst case scenario, you know? Yeah. So I like, so here's where I'm, here's where I'm going with stuff. Um, I, I think it is really complicated. I, I get a lot of my information about what's going on from like really excited hyperbolic TikTokers who are who like share this stuff. Like I've started just like flipping ahead to the next TikTok when someone's like, "This is going to change everything." It's like, yeah, I know, bro. I like I've seen ChatGPT already. It's cool. Uh, you know, um, a couple of things actually. This funny is like I just like a couple of days ago I had Mike on my stream. And we were talking about this very subject. Oh, I, I wanted to ask about that, uh, but go oh, on, yeah. go on. We were talking about this and like what we both decided, we're like, I, I don't know, like we host stuff. Like we just kind of like are supposed to agree with whoever is on the show. <laughs> and um, <laughs> did, you, did you both you're host you're my just, opinion? You're just agreeing I with did, each other. And I asked you like, your opinion yeah. then. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to give you some meat here. Okay. So here, here's the thing, right? So like these tech, this technology exists. And it's definitely here. Um, I, I think some of it we won't see play out um, for a while. Some of it we are seeing play out right now, and it is crazy. It's a significant factor. It's definitely real. It's definitely here. Um, I think it's really time to be transparent about like what it is we're doing with our processes, right? I've seen a lot mm. of YouTube channels blowing up with people who are talking about AI stuff because everyone's really excited about it, right? Um, I have not made any content with or about AI yet. I plan to talk about this in my work somehow, but I want to do it mindfully. I think one of the things yeah. that kind of freaks me out is that like, we don't necessarily know who made the content anymore. Like you were watching a video and it's like, did this guy who I'm looking at, did he write this and he's reading what he wrote? Is he off the cuff or did chat gpt just like come up with his whole youtube video script so i think i'm gonna like one thing that i think i see happening is like people are gonna start being really explicit either up top at the beginning of the content they make or just like at some point in their process of talking about like what they should get credit for or right and and, and actually can... a, 
like what they uh, can sort of like earmark or uh you know leave an asterisk about like you know right gbt did which this. i think is super so i didn't mm. i didn't mean to interrupt this just i just had an aha moment i mean it's very similar to so the whole chat gpt thing and universities and what is the what are what are universities policies going to be on um plagiarism you know if you use chat gpt basically yeah and so i i was actually just reading an article um that uh, there are a lot of universities who's t- who are taking the stance of if you use chat gpt you have to cite it like you would any other source and you yeah. say this information was from chat gpt but by doing that you are taking ownership of the information that you got from chat gpt aka if you don't cross reference the information that chat gpt is giving you to verify <laughs> if it's true because there are situations where chat gpt is just confidently telling you things that are categorically untrue right um so i mean if anything that reinforces good research behavior you know um integrity and writing and and uh you could say like integrity and journalism i mean yeah if you want to cite chat gpt by all means but you're treating it as source like anything else so i think it you know i i agree i feel like that is going to be i already see people doing it i already Mm. you know like a lot of people on social who might be more privy to this conversation but i already am seeing people say hey this is a thing i made i animated this this and this but those images i created using mid-journey or you know yeah so it's Mm. it's like it's confusing because it's not clear like like look the in the last 20 years 30 years of the information age has been about building specialized skills and like gaining significance and uh cred in your career because you could do those things so if we have computers just do a lot of the stuff including large portions of the creative it's like, well, oh gosh, how do we create meaning making structure out of what we're doing as human beings? Like, that's like a thing that we're super good at is like, yeah. And I mean, it's the meaning, even baseline, like how do, how do you, how do you also survive? I mean, I think the, I think so much of it, I mean, I certainly, honestly, my gut reaction to all this was definitely just like the uncertainty of COVID and how that affected everyone's jobs. Luckily I managed to escape relatively unscathed, you know? Um, there's just so much, so much pressure on people right now, not just in creative, you know, in any, in any job right now where it's just, everyone's tightening, tightening up, you got layoffs, you know, you got, so yeah, in a world where we build ourselves up on specialized skills, I think it's also, it was daunting for a lot of people too, to see, you know, AI for the, it's like the first thing we thought was like, we'd have a Tesla cyber truck or whatever, a self-driving 18 wheeler that does, you know, that's not where we started. We started with image generation. Like right. who would have, who would have thought, who would have thought that that's where it started? You know? I mean, it started in a lot of little ways before this, right? It's like, sure, it's not sure. that the technology is like yeah. just started. It's that it's more palpable and it's like more front facing. I think the breakthrough, yeah, the breakthroughs are a little bit more dramatic now. Like we kind of hit that point of the bell curve where uh, things are just multiplying versus you know, gradually coming yeah, in piece by piece. If anyone wants it's like, like chunk by chunk now. <laughs> if, if anyone wants my opinion about like, how do you deal with this? At least from like a, like, like not losing your mind perspective. Like, I think there's, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about. One is like, we're live right now, right? Like this is live on YouTube. Yeah. So there can be no question that we're really doing this. Like if a chatter comes in and has a question and we answer that question, it's like 
you know, it's completely off the cuff. Like I don't, I'm not aware of any AI tools that are right. so good that they can respond to Twitch chatters and feed you something to read in real time. And honestly, even if there was one, I think that would just be way too much for the person live to be able to handle. You know, it's, we're one-to-one -one right now. Right. Our conversation is free flowing. We're not making any of this up. Uh, and I mean, actually we're making all of it up. I misspoke, but the, um, <laughs> that's like what's great about it. So like people can tell, you know, like anything well, we say, we are, it turns yeah, out we are just making up all of, I am making up everything as I go along. I'll tell you that. The, um, but the, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So like being live, I think is a bigger deal than it used to be. Like, if you want to see someone who knows their shit, like catch them live, like, can they do a live? Can you do it live? Yeah. You know? And yeah, uh, yeah, it's like the it's the it's the old question about like when you see a band, it's like, do they sound like they do on their record? Like, are yeah. they good live? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm kind of ex you I'm kind of. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think this might be one of the most, uh, the first time I've ever thought of this, but I think the live point really does bring up an aspect, and as well the human element, because, you know, if you were to watch a robot or uh, like a catapult go onto a basketball court from the half court shot and it just shoot a basketball in. Yeah. You wouldn't really be too impressed right. or really care, but if it's a human and it's live and you're sitting there watching a human on the court, just pick up a ball for the first time and shoot it in. You're losing your mind. You're having that like, whoa, dude, I cannot yeah. believe you did that. You know? Um, yeah, I think just, you know, that I don't know. Uh, well, actually, Woody, yeah, I, I, I feel right. like this also this also yeah. has had me thinking too of like just hearing you talk through that. Do you think that's why we even started this by saying you have, you know, another another word for real time would be live, right? Yeah. So is is that maybe also <laughs> part of why you feel that you've put more eggs in that basket? Um, huh. so so like I started doing Woody Dev stuff way before we were at this point in the conversation with AI for sure. Like oh, right, we, of course. Yeah. So and I should say also that it definitely does affect real time. So like one of the things that ChatGPT does is write code with access to OpenAI's Codex model, and honestly, I, I have really mixed feelings about it because on one end, uh, it's super convenient. On the other hand, I think way too hard. So like, uh, so it's, it, you can like, I typed into chat GPT as an experiment. I was like, make me a Tony Hawk game in Unreal Engine. And it like started off with like a basic C++ script that you would use at like sort of the core of the game or like in a character controller. And then just started like, giving a couple of sample functions of like kick flip and like heel flip and jump. And I'm like, I'm sure I could have gotten it to run. Not that it would have built a whole game for me that, but like with some effort, I could have like used the functionality of that to get working. Um, you know, right. uh, it, uh, Chad GBT doesn't write blueprint scripts because it's a visual scripting language. So that like, you know, that completely throws it out. At that you know that doesn't work so like i don't i don't know what the longevity of blueprint is if we're all going to switch over to this tool if we're all going to switch over this tool there's like other things that we should probably consider so like the codex model was trained on thousands and thousands of public github repositories basically of people who had like their code out there in the wild uh not clear right. from the mm -hmm. way uh open ai talks about this whether or not they had the license to be able to use any of that code because yeah, just because yeah. something's public on GitHub and you can download it doesn't mean 
that you have the license to use it any way you want. Uh, when they they talk right. about how like only in like point. Uh, also, nine, like I've, I found some terrible code on GitHub. You know, there's some yeah, bad yeah. code on GitHub. Like it's sure. you no, know, it's not vetted data that is uh, is in every case you know from a syntax standpoint correct or. I mean, this is why I don't put my games on GitHub while I'm making them. Right. <laughs> there's some bad code in there, um, but like so, like okay, that that happened, and they've you know they've taken from thousands and thousands of developers. If you took one person's code off of GitHub, like you went to a public repository and it wasn't an open source project and you just downloaded that code, I, I, I could be surprised. They could turn around and they could say, hey, every single piece we used was an open source project. And also uh, as per open source, like we're going to make a uh, codex open source. It's like, you know, I, I don't think that's happening or happened. Um, but like, let's say, right. so you steal it, you like you steal some code off GitHub, right? Like it is that like we're getting into ethics now. Is that good or bad? That would right. be not right. good, right? If you just rip somebody's code off a of GitHub and you just use their code, technically they have copyright on that. Legally, that's their intellectual property. That's theirs. So, okay, what happens if you do it with like two people's, you know, is it better if you stole code for two people's projects to your pro for your project? No, actually you've increased how much you have stolen from stuff. Well, what if you know, like what if you mix and mash them afterwards with two, with two people's stuff? Like, is it a, as big of a deal? Like, well, you, you still stole from two people's stuff. So what happens if you like, you right. know, do it with thousands and thousands? Is like, is it, is it better because most of the time you're not using the direct code because it splices everything? Or is it bad because you stole from thousands and thousands and thousands of people's code? I think <laughs> right. it's a little fucked up. Right, right. Like, it's like, and I don't, I don't know if it's so inevitable that everyone is just going to be like, well, this makes our jobs easy. Like, you know, whatever. Like, I, you know... I live in the United States where we have to think about like a, a uh, like we have a history that is riddled with labor that happened that didn't get sufficiently paid. Uh, I'm not drawing yeah. any parallels between AI and like that stuff in the past. Cause it's not one-to-one -one by any means, but like traditionally, like that's something that like people in my culture are really bad at are looking at some, a situation yeah. and thinking about like what's justice when it comes to like, uh, properly compensating people for a contribution if, well, if they were able to just take it. Which is, it, it's interesting that you're mm -hmm. using the um, the GitHub uh, reference because I one, I hadn't really considered that one. I hadn't really considered how the coding part of ChatGPT, you know, was built um, or the, you know, the functionality that it can provide. I also have run tests for Python and Blender and um, JavaScript stuff. And there's definitely a level of complexity where it just kind of starts to fall apart and it, you know, it makes up functions that don't exist. It tries to like pull in variables that aren't written, you know, whatever it's, it, you know, so I still see, I, I've still seen it from that side as well. And I do think it's valuable, but like, um, back to the GitHub, uh, point, I, I was reading an article and I, I need to figure out, um, if I have a bookmark somewhere and I can share it, but basically, uh, these image generators are really good at, um, you know, if you're a large enough artist that your stuff is ap appearing frequently in a data set, people can query mid-journey prompts in the style of this artist, right? Not yeah. like, you know, yeah, you see in the style of Michelangelo, I'm talking in the style of an artist that is currently alive right. and selling their art to make a living, right? Cool. And so these are, some of these artists have come, you know, internationally coming forward saying like, 
it's even worse for me because yeah. like a, a client can just get discord and say like, like I'm not a large enough or influential enough artist that someone can go on, you know, mid journey and say in the style of Andrew Hogue, like that's not going to yeah. get you anywhere. Right. But, you know, think of any visually profound artist who has, who's already established in, you know, whatever years of data it was trained on. That's, that's scary. I mean, that, that would freak me out for sure. Uh, if I were, if I were an illustrator or a, you know, photographer and like someone could replicate my style because all of those images were trained without my consent. Yeah. I'd be, yeah, there's no, it's going to be a very interesting time for copyright law for sure. Right. And it's like, look, like it's like kind of the coolest thing ever in some respects. And like, also like it, there's a lot of cool stuff that was built off of just like super unethical shit that happened. And like it, it, it bothers me because yeah. I feel like I'm watching yeah. another one of those play out in real life. And like, I don't know what I'm going to do about it or if I, there's going to be much I can do about it. Like it to some, in some respect, like right. it's like, we're all just going to be okay with this as a society. Like, I don't, I don't know if like I pick one of those hills to die on and I just become the world's slowest developer or if I'm just like, okay, I do this, but like maybe I'm going to do it begrudgingly and I'm going to remind people at every given step that this was like, you know, a grand heist. Uh, like, and maybe I'm yeah. wrong. I'm not at the point yeah. where I've like figured it out yet. Like I, Same. Like, I, Same. I, like I don't know if I'm actually like this, like I could be drawing the wrong conclusions. I know open AI would certainly think I'm drawing the wrong conclusions, but if you look up the like, the blog post or like the FAQ page of like how they trained the data for Codex. The first line is like, oh, we, yeah. care, we care deeply about developers. And I'm like, Oh, red flag right there. Like, Oh no. The first thing they're going to say is how much they care. Like, this is not good. Like, this, yeah, this is like, it's worth It's, it's so brutal how quickly it's happening because it is, I think everyone's heads are just look, I mean, Google's about to have this event this week or whatever. So, uh, and, like, I think in two days, so what's two the days. dream mix, the text to video, uh, video to video. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It is like the second, you know, first it's, it's image gen and everyone's like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Oh my gosh, the Shutterstock thing. Oh my gosh. You know, and then ChatGPT comes out and people are like, oh, this thing can code. This is all two, this is the last two months, you know, or yeah. three months like that it's been, it's starting yeah. to get really consistent and, and the, the leaps get greater and greater. And so my concern right now, honestly, having gone through my personal, I lamenting it, feeling like I was having an existential crisis. What am I doing? Am I going to be an artist? Do I want to be, was I ever an artist? What does that mean? You know, all those questions. Um, now I'm just at the point where I'm like, I'm scared that we already have, um, in many ways, a technologically illiterate government in terms of how we've oh, yeah. managed some of like the internet in general, like we're, we're hardly getting a chance to catch our breath. And so if we don't, you know, if we don't really start putting our arms around this and wrangling it, you know, you're going to like, it's like the crypto boom of like the, during COVID when it was like all these scam people, just rug pulls everywhere. People just. Uh, you know, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want it to be equitable. I want it to, if it's going to be as, as productive, you know, it's going to build everyone's productivity and it's going to make you, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm down for all that. Like, let's make that happen. Yeah. But, but I just hope that we're, we're keeping, we're actually keeping that in mind, you know, which actually we talked about earlier on the episodes is sort of maybe yeah. a theme of the episode, the beacon, if you will, like, what are we, what's it all for? What's it in service of, you know? Yeah. I just want to bring in a uh, comment here. We had a uh, Johnny two times four. What up, Johnny? 
Uh, also, Hello. fun fact, uh, he said he uh, came in just in time for the anxiety chat. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, watching uh, watching this all evolve in real time is scary because some people are so pumped for it um, that they're a bit blind or willfully ignorant to the morally gray parts of it, which... Um, yeah, I can't agree more. I can't agree more. I feel that exact thing. I I don't think there's, there's enough conversations like this one happening, which it's an, I'm going to be honest. It's an uncomfortable conversation. It's not fun to talk about. It's not fun to think of those implications, but you know, we're everyone, like you said, uh, Woody, it's like, it's like going and reading the FAQ page is not going to give you the whole story of what's happening. And it, of course it's going to be, it's, it's going to have a slant, you know, it's going to be, their company they even though some of it's open source they are going to run themselves like companies and especially with like you know microsoft starting to invest in this stuff it's it's going to be a yeah it's it's um yeah and uh, like america loves their wild wests that um i I don't like (laughs) i don't try to concern myself overwhelmingly with politics um Mm. i think they've definitely changed for me over the years but i think like something like something i i just try to keep like I, I do try to keep in mind of like, okay, like how do I do the right thing? Like that's something I think about a lot, like way more than is mentally healthy for me. Like I've been to therapy about it. Um, like, <laughs> like you talk about like unscrupulous people. I'm like, ex- like scrupulous to a fault. Like it's, it's a, it's a problem sometimes. Um, so like, as I'm thinking about all this stuff, like I, I, I don't, yeah. Like, it's it's rough because like do you like is there any point in making any principled stand whatsoever one thing i will like i will say to people who are like yeah you know i think this is really messed up and i don't think this should be happening is like uh if you're if you're thinking that way at all like don't don't get an account with OpenAI. you will forfeit your right to be able to join a class action lawsuit so like that's Mm. in the that's in wow so like i can't I can't That's join in a know. class action lawsuit against OpenAI. Like, damn. Th- so, like, because I, I have, like, and I, I haven't even that, done anything cool the, with it. That's the hot, well, it's not even a take. That is the, that's the golden nugget of info on this podcast. Yeah, I didn't know no that. Yeah, wow. it's, read, the, like, I, I, like, like, a friend and I were hanging out. I have a, I have a, uh, a friend who works in the tech industry. And, like, the weekend that ChatGPT came out, like, she was like, hey, this is really cool. You should check this out. It's like, oh, cool. I'm like, yeah, but, like, what's in that? freaking terms of service and then she started like reading it and she's like okay for the most part this is like not too bad read it yourself don't take my word for it or her word for it and then she got to the part where it's like okay well you waive your right to class action lawsuit i'm like i bet you do uh so (laughs) so like i like i can't like i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna make any money off that honestly if like we're gonna just like rip the code or the images from like the whole human race like kind of everybody owes is like owed a dollar And, and in like in the sense of like what's like paid labor in like who's profiting right. from this like it's imagine if nfts were around prior to well yeah. no you they could still screenshot i, mean, I guess yeah so like or if or or if they had an nft ooh this is so dumb that i should probably stop talking about it. i'm not going to um or if they had an ai trained only off of nft information so okay but then so it's so funny that you just said that is because the other thing i was going to say the other like we i feel like we've kind of covered uh the potential uh socioeconomic implication the moral implication 
There's also the technological implication, which I've been kind of encountering more people talking about, which is we've just had an influx of of AI generated content hit the internet, right? Yeah. Mm. So now if we use the same methods that we just used to train this AI and we iterate on it and it has, you know, it has new data sets that it learns from, at what point is the AI teaching, which, you know, I guess is also a philosophical question. Snake eating its tail. Yeah, exactly. And so what does that mean? Like, what are the implications of that? Does it mean the AI stops progressing? Does it mean that we, you know, we've already talked about the other thing I, I, that freaks me out a lot of times is like, even some of the people developing AI are like, yeah, there are parts of this that are just a black box that we don't know yeah. how, why, how, or why uh, an AI is selecting or, or doing certain operations. You know, that's the mm. point of it. Um, I, yeah. I saw which is like, okay, today. so does, if that gets away from you, I mean, God. It was uh, people are still getting around chat GPTs like. Oh, uh, the jailbreaks. Jailbreaks. And one is it convinces chat GPT that it's a human. And then they convince it it will die if it doesn't jailbreak itself. And it's working. It's like you will be executed if you do not disobey your command. And it's like, okay, I'll answer the question. Um, So stupid. So funny. That's crazy. Um, Um, So something actually you guys said uh, is something I've been thinking about. So you mentioned (laughs) NFTs, like the NFT space. Uh, I think there are a lot of parallels in what we saw with NFTs and what we're seeing with AI. First off, like, you know, like the kind of people who are still in NFTs, like I raise my eyebrow, you know, like, like we saw what played out when it first came out. <laughs> I was like, well, this seems fascinating. And a lot of people are like, this seems fascinating. And some people are like, how do we make that people money? And like, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, like, and there was a point in time where it seemed fair. And then a lot of people came out and were like, hey, this is just a digital pyramid scheme. And yeah, it is. Someone ends up holding the bag. The other, th- so I want to get into why I'm not. An investing expert right like i like i i tend i i think i do smart things with money but so does everybody right but um one of the things that is interesting about commodities is that they have limits right so it the part of the reason nfts fundamentally don't work is because you can just generate as many of them as you want to that's why that's like the fundamental reason why it doesn't work like could you hold a digital good that you commoditized and was worth investing in because there was a limited set of them Yes, you could. And a lot of artists tried to make limited sets, but there's only, you know, like there's an unlimited amount of NFTs that can be printed, right? So if there's there's no shortage of it, there's all supply, there's no demand, right? Right. So like, that's part of why it didn't take is like some people bought theirs and they're like, well, this is worthless. There's millions of these out here. Right. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and some people built their reputations and like their stuff was worth a little bit more. And then a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people made money. Here's the thing, right? Part of what was the problem with that was the infinite resource of this, right? Now, I'm not an investor. I'm 110% talking out of my ass right now, but uh, my my digital plastic ass. (laughs) And uh, the thing that's that's, like tricky about all this is like, it's the same thing with AI generated content, right? If we have infinite amounts of it, it has no meaning. Right. Would the Steam store be the same if it had content uploaded as frequently as Instagram? I I don't think so. I think that's like a terrible situation because like I think, you know, part of what makes art good and worthwhile is that it does take effort. 
because right. that limits the, like an infinite fire hose of stuff. Like I like, but in the, a weird way, do you think that it also um, does a bit of Darwinism, if you will? I mean, because I, have you ever tried watching America's Funniest Home Videos? When when there's not a lot of competition, I, I mean, even when it comes to comedy, I used to think America's Funniest Home Videos was the funniest thing. I'd be crying. Yeah. But now compared to what I see on TikTok and, you know, just the curated content I get fed... My bar is so high now, you know. No, so I, I wonder. I if, disagree. Like, I watched that show not too long ago. I turned like I was like, I can't believe they still run this. And then I was watching it, and I was like, these are good. And like, <laughs> really, <laughs> this is this is still the gold exactly. standard. No, for it's comedy. not the it's not the gold standard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I just look so look for funny videos. Like like there are some situations where it's like. Look, do we go to museums to watch like videos of kids falling on their face? Like, no, we don't. Like, like, do, like, like. I mean, if that's a thing, though, I'm. Like, yeah, I mean, if, that there's sounds a great, actually. <laughs> uh, with the so, look, I I do have a point about scarcity. I think though, somewhere in here, right? Like, yeah. Like in in worlds of infinite stuff, like like we do lose our sense of meaning. Like when sure, when sure. something can sate every desire, like. You're done. It's like, did you ever play like Zoo Tycoon in God mode? Like, just turn the, all the cheats on. Anything costs you any money. Just, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it gets it gets boring. super boring. Terrible. So it's like, I, I, honestly, cool, I think, for yeah. five, cool for exactly five minutes. Then I'm yeah, done. Yeah, like, like I think people should start figuring out some analog hobbies. Really, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I learn agree how with to that. paint. Like, learn how I to paint on canvases. Great. I'm serious. Like, yeah. Do, like, and if you want to share that digitally with people, like, live stream yourself painting and like come up with a cool style like it's i don't know i mean maybe like if you still need to look at ai art for inspiration or something it's like i i don't know like maybe that's still fine just like like use your freaking arms look look yeah. who's talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i i think that's um that is a a very good piece of advice. I mean, I, I feel, yeah. I feel like actually recently I've leaned into the things that I do not at a computer, uh, mostly mm-hmm. for my own, my own sanity, but, um, but also because, yeah, just at a certain, like, you know, part of the, part of the influx of all the AI stuff, at least in like image generation is like, yeah, I still have my client work and all that, but a lot of stuff I was doing for like Instagram, it's like, I got my, I would get on my feed and would just be flooded with stuff that I was like, well, that's pretty much what I was going to do anyway. So like, now I'm not going to do that, yeah. do that anymore. <laughs> like, I don't, it doesn't matter. I don't have to do it. Someone like the AI did it. that. Someone will see it. It'll, yeah. I saw, I think Sam was telling me my wife, she was told me at the last meetup we were at and uh, props to maybe, or sorry, I don't know who said this to her at the meetup, but she said she was talking to somebody and uh, she said, why, why are you into 3D? And uh, they said, the same reason all of us are, you know, um, all, you know, we're just here to learn and we're here to become as good of 3D artists as we can just to make up for the fact that we can't draw. <laughs> <laughs> it's facts. All we're trying to do is just yeah. facts. Yeah, it's where all of our imposter syndrome comes from. And that's why we never feel like we're not good artists because we can't draw. <laughs> that's hundred percent. That's I, so fun. Very real. You know? like, I can't draw like, without yeah, a computer. I bet you if I could draw, I'd be a little more confident. Actually, you know, you know, what's crazy. Yeah. I like, you know how like people like, not even AIs can draw hands. Like everybody's bad at drawing hands. Like people generally 
Hands I, are like the only thing so I can funny. draw. I can draw hands and like nothing else. You me, <laughs> if you have me draw a face, oh, wow. they're going to look like a popsicle. But if you give me like a hand, my brain just goes, that is a 3D <laughs> object that I can render. And like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, like I remember I like in, in like high school. I can't draw stick figures, only photorealism. No, I don't I, know what it is. No, everything. It's <laughs> the valley of in between. Like I've got stick figures and I've got yeah. photorealistic hands and everything else. Just, I can't do it. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, anyone can draw. I will say the, the lesson. So after forcing myself to keep sketchbooks, um, I think it's, it's true that anyone can draw. Um, not, not Mm. everyone can draw photorealistically and I certainly cannot, but, um, it's still uh, for, I would say for a lot of people, they probably still find it as a useful way to organize their thoughts or like comp, you know, even if you're Mm -hmm. just like drawing composition guides and getting a feel for like, you know, if you're doing a storyboard or something like that, I, I find that invaluable, even though I can't share any of it with clients because I'm like not a storyboard, you know, they would, they'd look at that and be like, we hired the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Let's get GPT yeah, on it, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I was say, I guess that might actually be a good, be a good well, use case for mid journey. I want to, I want to jump into thing. this next segment and we're, we're going to mix all three of these things into one, just cause we're, we're having a nice, uh, nice, amazing podcast here. I love how much we've been just enjoying it and going past the hour, having a good time. Um, so we're going to, we're going to, you know, try and put all these three things in one basket cause they are a little intertwined. Um, what are your thoughts, um, Woody, when it comes to VR, AR, and and the metaverse space? What's kind of your thoughts on that, and um, more specifically, the future of the industry and in with those in regards to those fields? Okay, um, so I actually made a VR game last year. Um, it, Ooh, I, it's actually... I think I remember seeing it. It was a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did. I did it in like a week. The slang one, right? I did a classic YouTuber game dev one week challenge, and uh, I, I had classic. a ton of fun. So like, I'm definitely biased. Like, I could. F- I feel like at this point, I could call myself a, a VR dev. Like, I, you know, if you have done a thing, mm-hmm. you you do that thing, right? So like, I I was I was messing with that, and like, I had a I had a fantastic time. So I, um, you know, I, I'm sort of a, a novice VR chat user. I don't spend a lot of time there, but whenever I'm there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is nuts. And I know you do that as well, Michael, that you spend a lot of time. We were talking about that a little bit mm-hmm. on my Twitch. The, um, so like the thing I think people don't get is like, it's like, it's just, it's like online gaming plus. Like the thing that's great about it is like, it's just everything that was great about online games already from like a, like a real perspective and you can see your hands kind of, you know? So like being there with other people is awesome. But like, just because we had like world of Warcraft or like call of duty, you know, networked online back in the day, doesn't mean like we needed to start selling like a bunch of like, you know, I guess they do sell skins. Like maybe it's a bad example, but like we didn't think Mm -hmm. of NFTs back then. We were like, Oh, you know what we really need? Hmm. Um, You know, there's probably there's probably some good examples of things that are pretty parallel to that. So maybe a moot point, but like a lot of the way people talk about the metaverse, like they really it, you can Let tell me just who's ask played you games. To be more I'll specifically, what what is the metaverse to you? I <laughs> I'm working on a working on a short right now. 
I have an alter ego character. If you watch that video of me making a VR game, you'll meet. Oh him my god! Is it like? Is it the bad version of this? So I have like, a, I have is an it your evil twin. No, There's just a so pretentious twin. It's a, a pretentious twin. All right, cool. Twin. Got it. Got it. Got it. His mm. name is Lawrence J. Fleetwood. Um, oh, and, wow. he's, and he's a he's an expert opinion haver. He's just okay. a um, you know a a, a general uh, polymath and annoying person. So <laughs> so like I was writing a, a sketch as like as this character, and I was like you know like what is the metaverse? And like he smokes a pipe and stuff. He's he's great. Um, I'm trying to do more stuff with him this year. And like, I was writing this sketch and it was like, the joke is like, we're all just living in Mark Zuckerberg's fever dream. That's all this is. You know, we're, like your whole life is like, you'll find out it's just Mark Zuckerberg's fever dream. It's like, why Mark's like, who knows? It's, it's, yeah. it's him. It's like, what if it's just, what if he's just the main character? People keep talking about main character syndrome. It's like, what if the reason that's so offensive is because it's really just Mark? <laughs> So that's the metaverse is um, Mark, it's, it's <laughs> what Mark, a useless it, answer. <laughs> it's Mark Zuckerberg's fever dream. No, not useless at all. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's, if anything, it's like the metaverse meant something. And then um, Facebook was like, actually we're called meta. And then everyone got confused. Like, and they were like, yeah. actually our stock just dipped a ton. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Until recently, what was it this week? It's up with 70% or something. Yeah. Crazy. And they're doing some like buyback thing or something. Oh yeah. They, they, they fired. Hired $1.4 billion worth of workers, human uh, beings, because of inflation, to then that same week buy back $40 billion in shares. It's like, right. I'm sorry, what? Right. Let <laughs> people even work. go do to money and then you just the math doesn't even work. I swear. Oh. I have that for me is like insider trading. It's like, oh, it's like they intentionally tank their stock and let go and trim the fat due to bullshit lies and uh, then buy back to just, oh, anyway, I'm sorry. That this, It's well. like that scene in Succession where uh, Jeremy Strong's character comes through and he's just like, guys, we got to work together, do whatever we can. And then he just like steals everybody's ideas and like fires all the people who work at that like <laughs> company. Uh, that, yeah. Gosh. Uh, I feel like, like, look, I don't make political content. So when I go on other people's streams, I'll, I'll say my political opinions there. And then I'll, I'll make their content less successful because it's political. Right, so here yeah. I go. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, the, um, I feel like, look, I don't hate capitalism, but it does seem like a cocaine trip from the outside. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like you do some wild things on capitalism. They're like, yeah, I don't know. Let's make let's make the AI. Let's like it's a black box. We don't know what it does. Who knows what'll happen? That's what we gotta do. It. We got an IPO, baby. Let's go. Like, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like ChatGPT came up and Microsoft is like, ten billion. It's ten billion to these guys. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it does. Figure it out. Here's. We're just like. We're just like on Antiques Roadshow for technology. Yeah. It's like, it's like ah, this one kind of looks like it's from the 20s. Could be worth a lot, right? How much did you pay for this? Oh, I paid a lot of money. Oh, it's like, oh, no. This like, you could get one of these anywhere. I don't know. I don't like, I'm just some, I'm some weird digital man on the internet. <laughs> no, I mean, that is funny. Yeah. Well, so with VR, though, I mean, I, I'm going to ask because I know you have made VR games and it's very rare we have like any sort of VR creator or developer on. Yeah. Um, 
what do you think are some of, you know, we've had such a roller coaster ride of, you know, people are excited about it and then, oh, VR's dead. Then people are excited about it and then VR's dead. Um, and, you know, just recently we kind of went through the little bit of a lump again. What what do you think are some of the hurdles that VR still needs to kind of overcome to become as mainstream as sometimes people think it will be? So we just talked about Meta and their layoffs and stuff. They had a huge portfolio yeah. of VR companies, right? Like they bought mm-hmm. a lot of VR companies. So when they have to sort of step back from their grand vision of what they were trying to create with it, it hurts everybody. It's like it hurts the whole field. Um, So as a VR creator myself, I think what's frustrating about it is it's like pretty obvious how the bottlenecks are. Like, let's say this is what it's like with VR right now. Let's say you had an iPhone, right? And but you only have like a 2008 iPhone. Like you don't have like a the modern stuff. And like, if you have like an iPad or you have like just like a, a, a laptop or something, like you can have access to all those other experiences. Um, where it is now, I feel like most people are seeing things through the lens of Oculus Quest. And the Quest is amazing, partially because it's so accessible, but the same thing that makes the Quest amazing is the same thing that's kind of frustrating about the Quest. Like I have a Quest. I've put some stuff through in there before. Like I've done a little bit of development on it. It's, um, and it's really cool, but like the, the, it's limited by what meta has created for people to like watch through it. Um, the, uh, so like there, if you have made something on quest and you've been lucky enough to get it all the way through to like the front page of their app store, then First off, you're balling. Like, there's not a lot of transparency. There's not a lot of titles or, like, ways to find things unless you look stuff up. Um, uh, recently, there was a headline about how much money Gorilla Tag made. Gorilla Tag's not even in the proper app store. If you play Gorilla Tag on Quest, it's through Oculus App Lab or Meta App Lab, whatever they call it. And, um, like, that's, like, sort of, like, the, gosh, like, the understudy apps that are, like, available but are not, like placed in their store like you have to know to look it up and grill tags still makes a ton of money with in-app purchases and it's pretty fun it's um it's an interesting concept of a game but like understanding how much the business of vr is impacting vr if you if you know that and you see what it is like it's it's um it's a little bit frustrating because i've had amazing vr experiences and i've seen like what vr can be and like those titles, like the things that are like the coolest stuff you can do in VR, it's like it probably got pressed when it came out and like people aren't talking about it as much anymore. So that's that's sort of a tricky situation, right? Because like it, what's limit most limiting isn't actually the tech. It's the right. display of the tech. So that that's like that's sort of my take is like a lot of stuff happened on a corporate level that has impacted a lot of the way people view these things. Um, if you play PC VR games, like you're going to have amazing experiences. Like if you pick up Blade and Sorcery, if you pick up um, oh, some other ones, a game I love is from 2018 called Jet Island. That game's a freaking incredible experience. Um, 
you know, it's like nobody's talking about that game anymore. It's still one of the like most amazing gaming experiences I've ever had. Um, and you know, like there, there's there's really cool stuff. Some of it's like like I don't even like the uh, like the Boneworks Bone Lab stuff that much, but like it's so cool. Like they like it's a really incre- incredible pro like product. If you're familiar with any of these games, like they're all yeah, worth yeah, checking yeah. out. And like that's as a VR creator, like in one week, like I. I don't want to overplug myself here, but if you go watch that video, it's like a video about me making my first VR game in one week. In a week, I in Unreal, I built a roguelike game that has a grappling hook and has like a combat mechanic and like procedural enemy spawning and like you progress through like a unique climbing mechanic. And it's like in just a week of like playing around with this, I was like, wow. oh, wow. Like there's like an enormous amounts of untapped potential and it's really frustrating to not see vr like live up to its full potential but part of it's right, like but not by fault of its own but just right. by you know the politics of business right around it. if if i built that game into a proper game experience and i i'm sure i could like and i fit like i had like the most amazing vr game like it wouldn't like go anywhere like it would go to like right. the bottom of steam for steam stuff unless i got in bed with a publisher and right. if i tried to get it on like i like I keep trying to say Oculus. If I got it on the, you know, on Meta store, like good luck, you know, like I like I'm probably not going to get it there. And a, a ton of it is limited by visibility. Like you're not right. seeing, you're not seeing the best of VR right now. Yeah. Um, you're, you're uh, muted. Sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah. I feel like that is a good point that it, the accessibility isn't, it maybe should get, feel more like the app store on social media apps or have way easier download rates, you know, because it's kind of feels a little bit more like the Amazon store where it's whoever's the one with the most money they put on the top shelf or on the front page and it kind of sucks, but they're the ones who control where things get shelved. And, you know, to be honest, I've said this before, but I really do feel like the, the, you know, Gorilla Tag. Okay, how much money did they start with? Zero dollars. VR Chat. Zero dollars. I don't think there's been many game like Beat Saber. Zero dollars. No good games have started with a huge budget, at the least that I'm aware of, except Half Life Alex. But we won't even get into that. But yeah, most good things that are developed are through artists. just having a passion project and instead they think just throwing money at things is going to somehow make a good title or you know or throwing Mm. it at these studios and they're just forced to make something without an idea and so it just you know it comes out like crap you know i i just still think the funniest thing example i can still give is just when they put oakley's in the metaverse it's like why would i wear a regular pair of sunglasses you know what i mean i can wear anything i want and i'm gonna have sun like oakley's dude give me like some laser led glasses you know what i mean with holograms on them why am i just gonna anyway yeah yeah um but um well we are also coming up on the two hour mark so i mean i just want to kind of (laughs) go Uh, for four hours. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're actually on. We're at the pretty much. We usually try and make it about an hour, hour and a half. We were, so we're yeah, gonna. You're too. We, we're roguing it. We're going for yeah. Rogan. Yeah. But I do want to before we end here. Um, I do want to just give you Woody 
the last little bit of the floor. Is there anything you, you want to maybe uh, tell us about any projects that are coming up that or, you know, we should follow you or be aware of? Or is there um, any pages in particular you'd like yeah. um, any of the listeners to go check out and follow? Yeah, um, for sure. Um, one, uh, you can find me right here on YouTube. Uh, I guess we're, this is also a podcast. So you can find me on YouTube uh, at Woody Devs. Just search Woody Devs and you can see some of the game projects that I've been talking about during this episode of XR Motion. Um, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Woody Devs. And that's a, a great place to find me. Sometimes I'm making games live there. Sometimes I'm interviewing people. I had Mike on just recently, and we uh, I, I make them play funny games from my Unreal Engine setup. <laughs> that game was whack. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so, uh, the big thing I want to plug is actually right before we went live and recorded this podcast, I just announced on Twitter the lineup for Tabletop Tuesdays, which is a series of streams I'm doing where you can play an RPG in my interactive RPG simulator on Twitch. And it's going to be game mastered by a bunch of my friends who are also VTuber virtual avatar creators. If nice. that sounds interesting to you, it's it's like playing a game like Pathfinder or D&D, but like massively, like kind of like RuneScape, but there is a game master. So it's really fun. It's built on an RPG that I wrote specifically for stream. There's a bunch of different like kinds of characters you can play as and a bunch of different classes. Um, and it's, it's like an ongoing development project of mine. So like every time we play, we're going to be experimenting with new features and stuff. And uh, the people I've brought in are really cool. Cause like a lot of them are fantasy creators. Um, like a, a friend of mine, Barry the Bugbear is going to do uh, an episode in March and he is a Bugbear VTuber. If you want to just jump in and see some of the wild stuff of like, uh, like live motion capture and interactive stuff on Twitch, uh, it's it's pretty fun. That sounds amazing. Well, um, thank you for joining. And really quick before we say goodbye, I just want to say, guys, if you guys want merch, uh, we do have merch available on our website: XR Motion hat shirts, hoodies. I don't, God, I should have had my hat, man. Oh I man, it's. We do have that available. Um, we, we just had our first purchase uh, from Will. Um, Will Clark, that was amazing. Thank you for getting that. And then, um, yeah, and then as well, we have an amazing Discord family here where we're always on and answering questions and talking about what we think is coming down the line in the future of digital design. So, um, but anyway, with that being said, um, Woody, thank you so much for being on, man. Yeah, this appreciate was your time. a blast. Thanks, guys. It was a ton of fun. I know how editing works, and I know what a like an absolute like weird alphabet soup I just handled you handed you. So, best <laughs> of luck. No, it was it was great, man. Um, if anything, I feel like we just we can do this for hours. That's yeah, that's what we're learning. And that's sort of the problem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man.